as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. today we got going the distance podcast Ryan the Balkan here tonight and we're going to just be talking about uh, the Planet Hollywood crew and their history and their ups and downs so welcome to the show <laughs> well thank you very much it's good to be here thanks for inviting me on it's not often I get invited really to other podcasts <laughs> would you piss so, off no I just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's uh no it's it's flattering I guess in some ways I mean uh, I'm just a Ham and Ager podcaster. I run the Going the Distance, the Rocky Series podcast. Uh, we are part of a conglomerate network called the Last of the Action Heroes Podcast Network. So if you just Google that, you'll find us on all the particulars that you need to do to find our shows. What, uh, what this network covers is the filmography of the big action heroes like Arnold, Sly, Bruce Willis, Van Damme, even the James Bond films. We're, we're going to be doing Mel Gibson as well, and Van... I said Van Damme, didn't I? Or did I yeah, miss somebody? Yeah, yeah, yes, you okay. did. And I feel I like I'm missing somebody. Dolph Lundgren? Uh, the, the, yes, uh, Sean's one for uh, Dolph is there. I think there's a Seagal one, though, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, Seagal. <laughs> yeah, it's a little... If you the guys ever need a Wesley Snipes one, I'm here. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, you know what? With Wesley Snipes, I don't think we'll do a whole, like, channel or podcast dedicated to him but we have uh we do standalone films that are action films on that feed as well that don't quite you know i not to say that wesley snipes is not a great action star in his own right but there's you know like there's the slides and then there's the wesley snipes you know what i mean so we do cover like the kind of beadless celebrities as well and mm-hmm. uh, this is a standalone uh, kind of thing that we do as well and uh, we've covered like a chuck norris film we've done uh, we're actually going to be doing a Burt Reynolds film soon. You know? Sweet. So, and I mean, yeah, Will's we, Pod has been doing a lot of spy movies lately, like Ronin of all things. <laughs> like, yeah, so. that's great. And uh, yeah, so everyone just does their thing. And it's a fun group of uh, podcasters. And yeah, we'd love to have you on. We'll, uh, we're always looking for guest hosts. And thanks for having me on uh, yours. Yeah, I got a question absolutely. for you, though. I got a yes. question for you. So I started listening to your show when you invited me on, because I think that's only fair. And uh, so you, you invited me on a couple of months ago when I was sailing. I'm in the Navy and you're like, yep. hey, and I'm like, well, I can't come on right now because I'm sailing. But uh, so I started listening to you and I had questions for you. So what what uh, when did you start and what's the genesis of your show? So 
the show started around two years ago. I podcasted a year prior to that, so that was 2019. And I, I just saw how many you, other YouTubers and podcasters were doing it. And just being a part of just so many independent and just low budget to no budget film productions i just at least got the gist of hey you know uh you know the the truck doesn't you know drive itself so if you're going to do this you got to be ready to just you know go off and go and so i had the editing uh fitness down but i didn't have a reliable crew i had just so many people like i had one co-host who was just too worried about how the video presentation looked and i was just like we, we, we got to make sure we sound good first before we worry about that edition. And then I had a female host who just wasn't a good contributor. Like she wasn't very constructive with the material and just halfway through would kind of just stop interacting. So I was just like, okay, so, you know, this is just like if you're having an actual conversation and I already was a big fan of the radio and just music and everything. And so I was like, okay, we can totally do this, but we got to, not just be in love with ourselves. We got to actually, you know. And so I was just fortunate enough to encounter John Mark of the Action Elite, good pal, and just a bunch of other pals. And we just said, hey, you know, we're big fans of all kinds of movies, cheesy shit, mystery science theater type, you know, lost cult movie knowledge. And we just said, hey, you know, if anything, I already love writing a review. If anything, I'm going to try and tackle a bunch of giant franchises in addition to doing specials on an actor or a music band's career so yeah i've noticed you have a an eclectic subjects you know you have a lot of different subjects that you cover you've uh, interviewed people and um you pump out a lot of episodes and it's it's always a plethora of different things from movie franchises interviewing like you interviewed an mma girl or something recently didn't you or model uh yeah uh yes yeah uh, a ring girl uh Raquel Rackstar, she's very awesome, and she's a DJ at a Houston radio station, so <laughs> that is very awesome. That's cool. No, well, good for you. And yeah, so thanks for having me on today, and today we're doing Planet Hollywood. Now, I admit I'm not a Wikipedia. If people really want to just <laughs> Wikipedia Planet Hollywood, they can, but I think it's important that, the, that we give a little bit of information, I guess, about Planet Hollywood and uh, how it formed. And shout out to Willis Pod as well as uh, Welcome to the Potty Richter, which is a fun recent podcast tackling Arnold's career. But they often do it in like three to five different stages. Like they'll have the uh, uh, free watch discussion, and then they'll have the after thoughts, like after having seen the movie, and then they'll follow it up with like trivia. And it's very hard, especially for Arnold's more recent movies, because a lot of them are very independent where there's not much information on him despite having such a profile star such as himself so, it's a oh, interesting a lot of arnold schwarzenegger podcasts out there well good we got some competition do we oh, <laughs> right oh, you got yours <laughs> yeah we got the great guys at the six degrees of, of schwarzenegger they uh they cover they course, it all uh, together <laughs> yeah they do a schwarzenegger's films but they also cover films that were just in that era that's the idea of the six degrees just other films that come from that era which is actually the planet hollywood era that's the that's the crazy thing or the interesting thing about this is that planet hollywood was the early 90s and i think it was 1991 that the first one was built in new york and i remember when this was built i, I don't know how old you are you don't have to say but i was i was 16 <laughs> when this was opened up so october 22 of 1991 
first uh, uh, Planet Hollywood was built. This was the restaurant chain. And I remember when this was built and it was a big thing. And it was a big thing back then. This was when it first opened. People used to line up around the corner to like for, you know, hour to two hour wait, three hour wait even to eat at a restaurant that basically the idea of, well, everyone should know this, but basically the idea of Planet Hollywood, it was you had burgers, you had fries, you had whatever your normal standard American fare type food, burger joint, but inside the restaurant was basically a movie prop museum. And then their big selling point was, is that you might, you just might have a burger with Sly. Yeah, <laughs> they were going to be there and do some fan service, but yeah. Um, and I just would always just hear that term just referred to them because, I mean, they were all just block, blockbuster champions. And, you know, even those who didn't know about them, like you just saw references to them in any way. I mean, like, you know, Arnold was referenced for that McBain cartoon on The Simpsons. You know, it's, obviously there was always a Rocky spoof on some right. sitcom. and you know, Bruce, it was easy. There's always just, he would pop up in just some other just ensemble cast and, you know, someone eventually was going to reference the movie <laughs> or Moonlighting. And so it was like, yeah, it's it was interesting how uh, this whole restaurant got formed to capitalize on their careers. And uh, it is kind of wild how it's just had so many different owners yeah, it was founded by a guy named Robert Earl, and he had his own history of opening theme restaurants in Britain. And then he liked the whole idea of the uh, Hard Rock Cafe, which is basically the same idea as Planet Ho Hollywood Hard Rock Cafe is uh, musicians and their and their memorabilia and their museum of artwork and what have you. So like records and, you know, Michael Jackson wore this jacket when he moonwalked or whatever it yeah. might have been. They did the same thing at the Hard Rock Cafe. And, and it kind of makes sense that the Hard Rock Cafe, and I think it's still successful today, more so than Planet Hollywood. But uh, the Hard Rock Cafe did it. So they're like, hey, why can't we do something like this with, with uh, Hollywood or with the movies? And I will say that in the 90s, this is basically the perfect time because – just at the beginning of the 90s, before the 2000s hit, the movies were still an event. You know what I mean? They were still – Yeah. Like – and even small movies were events, and we just don't have that anymore. Like movies of today, do you feel – especially with COVID, quite frankly, kind of shutting down theaters or limiting theater capacity. It's only just kind of come back. You know, the new Spider-Man film, yes, has made a lot of money, but that – it's – you know, last couple of years, though, movies are not an event anymore. I mean, the last 10 years, they're just – they're not the way they used to be because of streaming and pirating, quite frankly. But back in yeah. the 90s, there was no pirating the way there is today. So if you, you wanted to see a VHS movie. player and yeah, sure. the movie channels, but also premiere exclusive stuff like months before they hit the stores. And so they weren't even, they would pretty much just, if they liked whatever material that fit their bill or idea of programming, they would premiere it, even though they didn't necessarily own it. And so that's kind of just, Again, yeah, streaming's now kind of been doing a lot of that. It's just replaced it all, where it's just like, okay, we own this, or, well, we're going to premiere this, even though we don't actually own any stock in it, but we'll split the bill. And so it is kind right. of, it, it is just, it makes, I'm sure many of these guys wonder how the whole industry would have worked had it always been digital, you know, the last 20 years. It would have made one wonder. <laughs> right. Well, this uh, yeah, this franchise or this Hollywood Planet Hollywood restaurant franchise, it can't, it would not have been able to be made today. Uh, quite frankly, because I feel like there's too many celebrities today. I think 
with YouTube and, and what have you. Celebrity doesn't mean maybe what it used to mean. And Yeah, anyone can do it, basically. It's kind of like anyone can be a music artist if they really want to. Anyone, Or some, maybe just anyone. I think we just have more... I think we just have more access. I think it's, I think the illusion of celebrity or the mystique, I should say, of celebrity has been diminished too. Like we have, and I'm a huge Stallone fan. I mean, I run a whole podcast dedicated to the Rocky series on, uh, so I'm a huge Stallone fan. I, and I have been my whole life, um, you know, and like, like I said, I was 16 when this restaurant opened. So I was definitely an 80s child. So I watched all these huge blockbusters, you know, with Terminator and Die Hard. All this stuff was in my youth. You know, this is what I, I remember when these movies were new, you know, and yeah, so, even books were written about it. Like in film history books is like that. There was just like Stallone had the two iconic characters and Arnold had right. both Conan and the Terminator. Right. And then, yeah, Bruce had just that one. And John McLean. Just, yeah. And then just various other just hit movies or, you know, right. flops that he was still recognized as being the lead, lead in. So yeah, it was very interesting how it all, accumulated together it just endlessly played on tv and video stores I, i'm sure everyone even lost track of how many titles got you know remastered numerous times especially you know with terminator being from a you know independent film chain and you know rambo rights changing from uh, a few different holders to finally lionsgate you know right exactly yeah there's been a lot of change in the hollywood industry and I think the mystique, like I was saying, the mystique of celebrity has diminished. They're more accessible. Um, like I follow Sly on Instagram, for example. I think he's fun to follow on Instagram. He's offers little he's wisdom. Witty. Yeah. yeah, he's witty and he has wisdom and he likes to talk. And I think it's great. But back, you know, if you were to tell me in 91 or, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, that I would be able to watch Sly on my handheld whatever device. I don't know what I would have called it back then my phone you know having him talk <laughs> yeah because you know, i remember question. i used to, i used to record interviews when he would be like on johnny carson or arsenio hall or whatever and i was so amazed just to hear him speak outside of his characters you know that was rare it was rare to see these actors or actresses speak outside their characters it was like you had to kind of like be there at the time they actually gave an interview on whatever tv conglomerate so nowadays yeah it's like, everyone's so spoiled they're like oh just put it on youtube or find some yeah. third party site i'm like yeah but someone still had to record that digitally or physically and then transfer it and then upload it yeah <laughs> but now you got them going live on instagram you know it, it, it's it's yeah. crazy and that's just the new world we live in whether it's you agree with it or not or not you but our listeners agree with it or not the the world we live in now is instantaneous gratification streaming uploading and even celebrities of today know that they have to kind of be accessible to their fans because that's the ad revenue right they're not making what they made before with movies uh the movie industry is different now and it is about franchises now and the marvels and the dc universe and it's all about very few movies are ever made now without the idea that hey are we going to be a franchise from this movie oh totally i and i think just the success of the expendables and just even when these guys appear in a video on demand schlockfest there's still just interest peaks it, it, it's much like again with seagal and van damme and even norris there's they have such a giant audience i mean uh, as big a fandom as i could possibly maybe compare it to might be someone like harrison ford or even maybe a star trek celebrity just as someone who 
any, anyone who's just like even had a hit TV show for that matter is like because they've been syndicated or just very well known for that entire decade they they still have some place in some fan's heart and so right. someone will check it out even if they think there's just no way it's going to be entertaining it's just in uh, in many ways it kind of makes them immortal to any kind of critique it's just like well better luck next time <laughs> or i'll just go back to watching what i've been watching you do all you know growing up all my life you know just watch your greatest hits it's the same thing as a music artist it's just like okay so this new album it was a dud but you know this is only reminding me that i'm gonna probably just go and buy a remaster of your classic or greatest hits and uh i think all these this trio in general always stood out to me in that they really did make a lot of interesting picks and uh yeah, we should actually say, I feel bad we haven't really officially said it. The three people that were kind of the face of Planet Hollywood, and they were there for the openings, each each location. So when Planet Hollywood expanded, their whole deal was is that each opening of their new restaurant, wherever it might have been, uh, you know, opened throughout the world, quite frankly, these celebrities that put their names to the to the restaurant, they would get stock in the restaurant. So there was a misconception at the time and that was, of course, Stallone, Bruce Willis, and Arnold. They were the three, you know, the holy trinity for the face of Planet Hollywood. But other celebrities like Demi Moore, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Whoopi Goldberg, Melanie Griffiths, Cindy Crawford, Tom Arnold, Wesley Snipes, speaking of Wesley Snipes, Danny Glover, and even director John Hughes, comedian Roseanne Barr. These are some of the many celebrities that puts, um, got stocks from the sales. Now, they probably had different percentages, but did you know that 17% of the stock owners were celebrities? Or they held 17% of the stock, I should say. Yeah, doing research today, uh, uh, it was very eye-opening. I was just like, okay, I figured, I would have thought it would have been maybe just some other kind of executive producer or someone else. But no, yeah, it was just a lot of celebrities all just kind of <laughs> pitching in here and there and getting some investment. Well, it's easy um, money for them. You know, they show up yeah. to an opening uh, and they were paid to even go to the opening. But that was part of the deal is that, hey... Sly, you're coming to this one in New York. Arnold, you have to show up to the one in Florida or whatever it might have been. Uh, I'm surprised many didn't even try doing that, you know, even nowadays. Like the the only person who I can think who does that like nowadays is Danny Trejo. He is like apparently a very successful uh, Mexican food chain in Los Angeles. And yeah, I think that's what you'd have to do now. I agree with you is that you'd have to almost – like, yeah, I would say if Sly wanted to, I'm sure he could open up a, a Sly Fry shop. You know what I mean? Or so, oh, I'm totally. sure, you know, I'm sure if he opened up two or three in like Hell's Kitchen or New York or Philly, I, let's say he did a Rocky joint in Philly. Like, I'm sure it would be very popular. You oh, know, but it, just, it would have to be. I mean, even just, I don't know, Rambo's Burgers or something just sure. over the top. I'm, I'm sure it, it would kill. It would probably kill. But like you say, it, it definitely depends on the planning and all. And I see a lot of celebrities, they'll even just nowadays, I guess the real deal to do is like appear in car commercials, uh, own some stock in a wine company, or even just kind yeah, of retire. They're easy one. A lot of these celebrities really own easy. alcohol. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, um, do you see some people they'll even do like a realtor? duties right <laughs> sure. like, well yeah i, I mean they gotta TV. make a living well because <laughs> celebrities i mean movie stars or movie actors they're not getting paid the 20 million dollars a movie anymore because speaking of stallone bruce and arnold in their heyday you went to a arnold movie like you were going because he was on the title card 
you were going to that event. This is an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Uh, this was a sly film. Even Bruce Willis for a while there. Well, these three guys, man, you went. It was a. It was an event. That's what I mean. It was really an event. But nowadays, even like people like Tom Cruise or Tom Hanks, very few people are actually as well uh, or as good as a franchise mission as possible is that's the whole idea it's like yeah you, you're not going to a tom cruise film you're going to the franchise mission impossible right uh, tom, tom hanks very beloved actor in hollywood and, and amongst the public very few people don't like tom hanks but he's <laughs> yeah. not but he's not carrying films anywhere like he's not even getting paid 20 to 30 million dollars a film everything's just kind of done cheaply now because it's marvel <laughs> marvel oh, and totally when when and I'm, I really wasn't even surprised to see Tom Hanks uh, be part of the Apple TV uh, distributor faction where he would take a giant pay cut and make sure to just, like you say, make sure the movie was on time and on budget. He did that with uh, Greyhound, that independent war film he did. Mm -hmm. He only made like, I think, 400 for the day. He went very, very sure. uh, uh, cheap on it so that everyone else could get paid and that they could make a one hell of a movie and uh, Finch that was another one but and like you say that had like a few other actors in it but it was mostly a gimmick driven movie as opposed to hey he's in the movie check it out so uh, I think everyone's had to learn to evolve to that as well as like okay you and it's the same thing with acting in general is like okay I've already mastered like five different kinds of roles and shown people I'm no patsy I can do this so now I pretty much have the freedom to do whatever and I think that's just it is like any movie star who's tired of just doing a tribute to their earlier hits now they just want to do something else challenging and they could care less if anyone actually sees it or not you know <laughs> sure yeah there is that and uh at the time of back to planet hollywood i keep forgetting to say this my apologies no uh, i remember when this was first open i was under the illusion that stallone and arnold and Bruce actually owned, like they started the restaurant. And yeah, I think they kind of like played. They were the mascots or something. Yeah, but well, even that they were the owners. I think that was kind of the public <laughs> understanding and misconception, I should say, was that these guys, they kind of started Planet Hollywood. Like, and I was under that impression for years, but they were just the face. And it makes more sense. But I, I think if you had asked me even five years ago, I would have told you, oh, yeah, they, they owned it and they tried to, they, they built it, but it wasn't their idea. They were just kind of, hey, do you want to come in and be a face? And it was a very good uh, advertising scheme and it worked because at the height of Planet Hollywood, it lasted for about four or five years, almost actually almost 10 years of real, real height. They were uh, opening up restaurants everywhere. They went from like seven to 20 locations in over two, just over two years. Um, they had their own merchandise in the restaurants and the, and the merchandise was sold so well. They actually had their own like Planet Hollywood, like, merchandise in malls so there was no restaurant like literally they just sold planet hollywood like sweaters and t-shirts and handbags and socks like i it's just weird to think there was a time that they were so popular that people would go to the mall to buy a planet hollywood t-shirt yeah i would definitely see that and i mean uh nowadays can you name any movie star like who's not like in a giant franchise who people want to make like action figures of like the most I can probably think, but this is still technically a franchise is probably maybe a wrestler. You know, I, and these guys had, you know, just numerous, you know, even though they were franchises, like people would make 
even just like G.I. Joe type things that were clearly inspired by, you know, their personas. You kind of saw that with Duke Nukem and video game heroes. It's like everyone wanted to kind of show their love of these, this trio in just some kind of subtle way. It was like, it was their inspiration to make a Saturday morning cartoon or even their own kind of special kind of action movie. (laughs) I did a little bit of, um, I want to say correlation homework or something because i wanted to see what movies these three guys bruce arnold and sly the three the movies they kind of did leading up to the grand opening of planet hollywood where they were in their careers but i find it kind of interesting that the same time that planet hollywood went bankrupt and kind of closed all their doors except for like four or five restaurants in the world today in the early 2000s it kind of correlates with their own careers with these three individuals. I don't know if that's a correlation or causation. So, for example, let's just start with Bruce. So, Planet Hollywood opened in 91. So, leading up to it, of course, you had Die Hard in 88, right? Then you had Die Hard 2 in 1990. Then look who's talking films in those two years as well. So, th- those are mm-hmm. huge. And then in 91 itself, you had The Last Boy Scout. So, these are like, he's, the, he's you know, he has a comedy box office gold playing the voice of the baby and uh, look who's talking. He's got the two Die Hard films. Uh, Last Boy Scout was actually a success at the box office. But then if you start looking at his career between 91 and then 2000, doesn't have as many hits as you would think. Yeah, and I, I think it, it really hurt uh, just him and Joe Silver going different ways, although I don't think it was that they didn't get along. It was just the studio wanted – uh, to bring John McTernan back, but he didn't want to work with Joel Silver for part free. And so I think that hurt his chances and you don't know why, but yeah, I mean, cause Stallone and Arnold were still consistently working with Silver for a while until like the mid nineties. And then, you know, started working with other big Hollywood magnets. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good correlation of Joel Silver. Now go to Sly. I started not Sly. Go to Arnold. No, Arnold's filmography, of course. Terminator in 84, then Commando, and then Predator in 87, Running Man in 87, Twins, huge comedy hit in 88, Total Recall in 1990, just, you know, huge box office. And then, of course, Terminator 2, huge in 91. But then after, again, after Planet Hollywood opened, he kind of had the bomb, Last Action Heroes, came back with True Lies. But after True Lies, Arnold's career just goes down before his governorship yeah all the way was kind of a bomb batman robin was a critical disaster end of days six day collateral collateral damage all these did not do well and then finally his last big film before his governorship was terminator 3 which is actually a fun movie but by then planet hollywood was done oh totally yeah this is interesting again arnold's career kind of went down the you know a little bit box office i should say these guys are worth hundreds of millions of dollars i'm just saying their box office films and quality of films kind of went down now we'll go to sly same idea sly in the early 80s of course ramble franchise rocky like come on over the top lockup uh tango and cash but then <laughs> at the same time planet hollywood opens he has the disaster films of oscar stop or my mom will shoot but then he came back a little bit quicker with cliffhanger and demolition man now 93 that was a big year for him yeah, his kind of last two big movies were that year. Demolition Man and Cliffhanger were both successful. And Planet Hollywood was really booming at that time. So that really correlated for Sly. But then Sly went to a little bit of a disaster, you know, with The Specialist, Judge Dredd, Assassins, Daylight. I mean, those things. And then he really fell off the radar, almost straight to DVD with 2000's Get Carter. And now we're talking the demise of Planet Hollywood. So I just find it find it very interesting that, well, 
fortuitous for Planet Hollywood that they grabbed these three guys when they did. They kind of peaked in the early 90s, as a, both as a franchise, as a restaurant, and also with these three guys in their filmography. I wonder if there's a correlation between the downfall of Planet Hollywood and these uh, actors kind of box office draw. That's a good point. I didn't think of that, but I, th- I think you're onto something because, uh, you know, it, it's just like, even without all the other influence and producers, like they all kind of just started in just the door very slowly. Both uh, Arnold and Bruce were kind of doing a lot of bit parts, like being featured extras and everything, both in the 70s and 80s, respectively. And then, yeah, Arnold took off just for sheer luck uh, for, again, two giant franchises. And then, you know, Stallone, but he was pretty much the king of the 70s because he went from just bit part B pitchers to, you know, picking a few brains of people at actors studios and uh, you know after rocky he pretty much had the freedom to do anything he wanted you know an oscar nom on your belt that's great you know and yeah and so yeah by the 90s it's very debatable as to who was very successful because yeah bruce kind of just after pulp fiction when he had to take a big i just pretty much did the whole well i'll be part of an ensemble but i'm not necessarily always going to be the lead in every movie and Arnold always had to be the star and Stallone was just like the butt of so many jokes, even though he had a loyal following. And so it was just like, and you had critics who like kept acknowledging, Hey, you know, we love him as an actor, but we don't like his material. So it it became another, just who, who do you target? You know, (laughs) who do you make happy when you're getting a lot of mixed messages? (laughs) Well, I think there's, yeah, there's some correlation between, the expansion and the bloatiness of planet Hollywood as a restaurant and maybe kind of the, the silliness of these overblown and bloated action films, these, you know, they're, let's say they're old during the nineties and early two thousands, but these aging action stars and kind of a correlation between that. And the fact that planet Hollywood, I think it got too big for its britches. It's sort of expanding beyond what, they thought people would be interested in. And I think once people realized that the food was overpriced, that the, that the uh, customer service was subpar and the conditions of a lot of these restaurants were actually crumbling a little bit. They weren't upkept very well. I think it was, they should have stayed small. I mean, they already, they already have four or five just today in the world. And maybe had they stayed that way, make it unique, make it like uh, a Disneyland. Like imagine if you had, you know, 100 Disneylands. It takes away from <laughs> Disneyland. You know what I mean by that? Like, so I think they got selfish. And I think, and I'm not saying Sly, Arnold, and Bruce got selfish, but I suspect they did. I, I they kind of chased their own stardom. It definitely start- felt oversaturated because, yeah, it's yeah. Like you're looking at it and it's like, it's in like seven different states. And it's just like, hmm, well, I mean. Well, exactly. It's not special anymore. And I think people started to catch on like, okay, well, Sly's not going to be at this planet hollywood in you know bumville texas you know (laughs) like so (laughs) so the idea that i think the initial opening was that's what made it special it's like we had a few locations like new york and la and stuff and it's like sure there's a chance you know arnold or sly or demi moore might walk in and have a burger or wave to the fans and they did do that at the beginning but when you start expanding it to 20 30 locations there's just no way that any given moment, the stars are going to walk in into the middle of USA, Planet Hollywood. And I think once people kind of realize that the burgers are overpriced and no stars are going to show up, and even some of the me- movie memorabilia, there was uh, questions of how much of that stuff was actually in the films or how much of it was artificially made to, to make it look like it was from a film. Uh, totally. It, it even reminds me in some ways, like with just other chains that 
were so big 20, 30 years ago, like Toys R Us or even Sears. You know, it's like, and now if you want to find something like that, it's kind of like even a Chuck E. Cheese. You'll see it here and there, but it's still, it's not as big as it used to be. So it does make you wonder just who was doing the finance and promotion of it. Because it's not like there was going to be like a giant commercial on it, I don't think. Maybe, almost maybe I'm mistaken, maybe there was a local like LA or Las Vegas ad saying, come on in, check us out. So, Right. They had the chicken tenders that were breaded with Captain Crunch cereal, though. Did you hear about that? I, I was actually not very familiar with their food, but I did, I, I just would always see I various... I want to try that. I do want to try <laughs> the Captain Crunch cereal crusted chicken tenders. I mean, that would, I know my kids would love that. So It would kill. Yeah, it would be yeah, yeah, it'd definitely give you a heart attack. Um, <laughs> so I think what happened was when Planet Hollywood went, went public, that's when they felt they had to expand quickly to basically you know, appease the public shareholders. So I, I feel like, you know, I'm not a business guy whatsoever. I mean, in hindsight, it's 2020. But I think if they had stayed, made it, you know, made it special, like like a celebrity is supposed to be. I think that's kind of ironic. Like today, celebrities aren't special anymore. Not the way they used to be. There used to be a time there was a real mystique and uh, exoticness to celebrities, you know. But now red carpets and, and all that stuff, I think people are – I think public is getting kind of jaded by celebrity in some ways. And, um, you know, and I think what happened is – Planet Hollywood became bloated and became its own enemy. Had they stayed small and unique and kept some of the mystique alive, it would you know maybe they wouldn't have been the mega millionaires right away, but they would have been a steady income for you know for a few decades. Whereas now, I don't know, they're more of a novelty. I think I couldn't say it better. I think yeah, that's exactly it. I think it overestimated its appeal and then just kind of just had trouble wrapping it up and. Uh, you definitely wonder if it was just based on how audiences were reacting to their on-screen work or what, but, uh, and now that it's basically been sold off to all these other places and the biggest one appears to be still the Vegas uh, entry, it does make you wonder if it just was just too good of an idea. <laughs> just like everyone wanted to try it, but did anyone actually know how to pull it off? Right. There's six locations today. Six locations today. Six still. Okay. Yeah. And now the, the founder of Planet Hollywood, he actually formed his own sandwich chain. So ironically, mm. he's very successful sandwich chain called the Earl of Sandwich. Nice. And so there's 37 <laughs> locations of that one. So he's doing just fine. The guy that started Planet Hollywood is doing just fine. In fact, he tried to do other stuff too. So there was a all-star cafe. I don't know if you heard about that. No, I'm not. So the All-Star Cafe was, so he really, look, the guy's ambitious, ambitious, don't get me wrong. So he went out and did uh, All-Star Cafe, which is the same idea as the Hard Rock Cafe, the same idea as Planet Hollywood. Now you've got sports figures. That's the idea of that wow. one. That, yeah. <laughs> and then they try to do Marvel Mania, mm, another man. one. So they, they were they were cashing in on the Marvel. Uh, and now back in the 90s, Marvel was not doing well. I think they almost no. went bankrupt. The the uh, thanks the comic. to Blade and X Men One, they got out of the fire. But yeah, it, and it. So does he still try and continue the Marvel thing, or is that no? That's all, all shut down. Disneyland. That's so. all's all Star Cafe. <laughs> I think that's a shut down. But you spoke about Trejo, and this is what I think celebrities need to do. And I agree. Is you've got uh, Trejo doing his own little chain. Keep it simple. Keep it under his name. Uh, Kenny Rogers Roasters. You ever heard of that? 
very vaguely. I knew there was something Kinney had done that was in the food industry, but I didn't know where it was based. So it's all, it's basically it's his own chicken place. And I've eaten there before, by the way. I've had Kenny Rogers chicken, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's good, you know. Uh, I took a gamble and had some uh, Kenny Rogers chicken. And there's 156 locations, so he's doing just fine. That's 156 locations. So I think if, uh, if anyone wants to run a Planet Hollywood today or that kind of theme, I think, I think you've got to keep it to your, to your own personal name, you know, like the right. Trejos, Kenny Rogers. And what, your what image is the advertising, and then the word of mouth kind of plays it off. It's kind of like with a Dolly Kickstarter Land. now. Dolly well, Land. There you go. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's just, yeah, like you say, one step at a time. And I guess that's just it. It's like, all these celebrities were putting in a piece of the pie and it just wasn't always turning out uh, what they were investing. So yeah, it, it's definitely makes you wonder uh, if someone were to try something similar to this, uh, what what would they even do to like stand out other than, Hey, I'm a famous person coming to my restaurant. I think it's all it is. I'm sure if Kim Kardashian started a uh, restaurant, it would be popular. You know, it would, I mean, there's certain celebrities today that whatever they do, it's going to be, it's going to be successful. And I think that's kind of what a celebrity would have to do nowadays is just, if it's a restaurant at the very least, restaurants are tricky. They're, they're actually a very risky entrepreneurship. Um, Mm -hmm. But if I was a celebrity and I wanted to run a restaurant, yeah, I would just start very small, meaning like just do one, one restaurant one location see how it does and slowly build don't make it go public area like it's a bunch of apartments and schools you know (laughs) just sure don't do it in the middle of nowhere (laughs) oh if you drive in here you know 10 miles you come check us out it's like well no (laughs) you gotta actually be in a very populated area (laughs) sure i'll have a chef ramsey come check it out (laughs) well and there's a guy he could totally I'm surprised. Has he started a food chain? I'm, I'm I think surprised. no. Yeah, yeah, he does have his own. Uh, in fact, he's got a location in Vegas. I, <laughs> yeah, he, no, he definitely owns his own restaurant chain for sure. I think it's just called Ramsey's or something like that. Um, yeah. So my, I guess my closing thoughts of Planet Hollywood is it reminds me of a time when I was young in my youth and kids, uh, you know, child age, and it reminds me of a. It's a nostalgic feeling of like when celebrity and Hollywood was this this big thing, you know, where it was. It was it wasn't something you could uh, get close to as a as normal or little peons <laughs> that we were, but the public got kind of close to Hollywood. They could they could dine with the stars, and I think there was a there's something uh, quaint about that, or and this, and I have a nostalgic feeling on that, and it's uh, something that can't be replicated anymore. I don't think anyone goes to a Kenny Rogers roaster thinking they're going to eat chicken with Kenny Rogers. So. Uh, but back during Planet Hollywood days, that was kind of the uh, that was the draw. You know, you got kind of close to Hollywood, and you kind of mingled with the props and saw you know the Back to the Future car or something like that. And and uh, I guess that nostalgia is kind of gone now. And it's it's sad, but it makes sense. The restaurant isn't big anymore. I it wouldn't fit in today's social media access to start. Oh yeah, and post economic crash and everything, and everyone also kind of just wants to keep to themselves. It's just like if they're not doing a giant thing that's in their job title they kind of just want to be alone and do you know a private event or just host a party and so yeah like like you say this one was just back when everyone you know didn't know when their next gig was going to be and they didn't mind you know endorsing their image to something and then interacting with fans that way and now right i mean conventions are still a thing and 
that's kind of where you go if you want to it's like okay i'll give you know six hours you know to dedicate some time to fans and sign some merchandise but yeah it seems like uh it if there was any way of continuing it it's pretty much faded uh, i mean when i went to even like disneyland areas back around 07 uh, it seemed like uh same kind of deal where you weren't going to see any celebrities but you're going to see people much like kind of like with mascots for a team you'd have people dressing up as famous movie characters and everything and that's as close as you're going to get this is you'd have people even just for their overall job was to basically do an impression of a famous uh singer or actor like i mean you want to talk vegas i mean there's still people who their career is to basically dress up as elvis and sing his greatest hits you know so i think right, of course that's yeah. kind of just the just here now is like if you want the best of any kind of entertainment world is like basically people got to be doing some kind of tribute i mean like cover bands are now a big thing <laughs> and so i guess yeah uh at this point it's pretty much exhausted and now just there's you can find little small creative ways to do things but i think if anything it encourages experimentation but uh whatever uh plan was down there it just it wasn't meant to last it just wasn't meant to be so <laughs> my closing uh thoughts or actually not my closing thoughts sorry my something i forgot to mention was i have been to a hard rock cafe and it's the closest feeling i think you could have with a uh, planet hollywood in what i mean by that is i remember going to one i think it was the seattle hard rock cafe and i remember being very excited by the idea that oh i'm cool i'll go to the famous hard rock cafe you know and i love music so this was like a great fit for me you know and i remember walking in thinking this is kind of lame you know there's a couple <laughs> guitars here and there i don't yeah. remember anything and actually what i do remember is i remember feeling very like it was overpriced i remember feeling like i know they're charging me more for the experience like i recognize the concept like okay the prices are higher on the menu because i'm in this ambiance of rock and roll or whatever but nothing happened you know it's basically like i'm eating a burger next to a guitar and not have to pay twice for that burger so i think that's kind of what happened plan hollywood same idea people walked in they're like what am i doing here why am i paying extra to look at you know uh the boxing gloves that sly may have worn in rocky four you know it's it, right. i doubt it you know and are those really the gloves so i'm paying you know one little quick look at it nowadays with the internet that's the thing with the internet i can just look at these pictures i just google mem movie memorabilia pictures and you get tons of them so i think the internet would have killed celebrity as well or killed the planet hollywood because it's like the novelty of like looking at this stuff i could just watch stuff on youtube all day or, or pictures all day and you know eat for free at home um so anyways oh, that's I, so I, true i mean yeah. like nowadays basically we're seeing even celebrities who got like a cameo account where they can leave yeah. you a random video message there's some people who have been even more off color and been like hey i have an OnlyFans. oh i have a crowdfunder so it's like <laughs> it's like everybody's trying out some kind of ad and or an app and uh i mean uh you were seeing did you see how there was like even some other like divisions that were located in there like i mean you brought up how some of them have a museum did you notice how one of them had a wax museum <laughs> oh those wax yeah i've seen the wax museum stuff yeah that's so wild because like you know, I'm in Dallas and I live right by the one that's there off I-30. And I'm, I always wonder who's actually going there nonstop, you know, because 
the same kind of deal. It's pretty pricey and it's, it's kind of like the best of the best steakhouse. If you want to do it, it's got to be like every few months. You can't go there, you know, religiously nonstop. So right, of course, it does make yeah. you wonder how does the business trickle down? How does it stay consistent to where it's still open? And yeah, it's a good question because I mean, wax museums, I mean, just getting in, that was not a cheap fee, but I'm, I'm, it made sense why someone would want to go there just because it was kind of like a haunted house at times. And they also had arcades and again, you know, pizza gallery. So yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting predicament. I think you've helped sum up and it's very intriguing how we help kind of, hopefully we've illustrated enough today to others how, uh, you know, the nineties were just a highlight on how people were willing to take a few more risks, but it, you know, it was also kind of a uh, questionable marketing and well, it was the right time, the right place. They, uh, they built a restaurant chain, hit that zeitgeist at the right time with these, uh, three actors, their big, uh, big hits behind them and big movies and what have you. And it, I think it just popped when it popped. And I, I, I think it couldn't have happened at a better time, but also it happened at a very, I, I, I like, I think in their mind, they thought it would last forever. I guess at that time you feel that way. There's no way to, you know, to predict the future. So, I don't think they could have done it in the 80s. I don't think they could have done the 2000s. I think that was the moment they could have done what they did when they did it. And then uh, the rest is history. Right. And I say this also as a fan. I also just wonder if everyone was just kind of getting tired of their personas because you saw how Bruce was getting more picky on his projects, how Stallone was very opinionated on what he wanted to be a part of. And, you know, Arnold at that point was just considering politics. So I'm sure everyone was expecting a totally different kind of persona, you know, after yeah. the two thousands were beginning. And so it, it's very intriguing too, how a lot of their filmmakers and producers kind of faded out, out after a while too. Like <laughs> Joel Silver is pretty much out of the industry for the most part. And uh, some of those other guys like Jerry Weintraub didn't really do all that much before Ocean's 11 came along and that kind of reignited his career after working with Stallone. Uh, Arnold Copelson, there's another one you know, who produced a lot of Warner Brothers productions for them, also kind of disappeared. And it, it just a, makes you wonder if everyone just, not just even right time, right place. I mean, it also kind of makes me wonder if they, I mean, that, you know, they had enough in the bank to just kind of go wherever at that point. So it's like, did everything just stop becoming as interesting to them at that point to where they're just like, I'm just going to hang it up, you know? <laughs> nothing else to offer so and right. i'm proud of what i've accomplished and you know i i i've made so much money to where i i you know how could anyone possibly care what anyone thinks of them at that point you know just uh, i've had I'm such a lucrative existence and people are still mentioning at least five of my different hits i'm good <laughs> well if we could be so lucky to be, if we uh, could be so lucky yes. yeah no kidding well, it's been an actual uh, a real pleasure uh, being yes, on your show today. This was such a great episode to prep for, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you plug going the distance. What we can expect next? Sure. Yeah. So again, if you want to listen to a podcast network dedicated basically to what we're talking about, these guys' films, careers, Bruce Willis, Arnold, and the rest, Sly, uh, just Google. This easiest thing I can say: Google the last of the Action Heroes podcast network, and on there you'll have coverage of the Rocky films. I'll soon be covering the Rambo film franchise after I'm done Rocky. 
Yeah, because I'm just finishing up Creed 2 right now on the show. It's called Going the Distance, the Rocket Series podcast on that network. And we're halfway through Creed 2, and right after that, we'll be running through the Ramble franchise. That the is The only podcast to review both Rocky Five and the Rocky Five work print. You know, it's just, yeah. these guys hey. are dynamite. If you haven't seen them and given them a listen, please do. Because Thanks, man. Yeah, anyone who just wants to, again, just understand why the fandom still speaks to them and why how even today's generation might even get into them. It, it's just a lot of fun because in, in a way you guys are also just being film history, you know, and that's not easy to do either. And I've seen so many people who will just kind of just do the basics. They'll just look at Wikipedia or they'll just listen to the Blu-ray commentary for the billionth time. But it's like you guys actually, you know, do even bigger, deeper dives because, you know, you're also having to, you know, Stallone Zone and other places have been just so considerate at just getting rare exclusive interviews and just, you know, being that archive online library that's helped us kind of figure out just little known facts that, you know, not even IMDb can tell you. <laughs> well, thanks, brother. Appreciate that. And I want to plug my other podcast, if that's okay. Please. So I have another one. I don't know if you heard of it. It's called The Worst of the Best Podcast. Yes, I did give a listen to okay. it. All right. So yeah, check that out too, folks. Uh, the Worst of the Best Podcast, what that basically is, is we take things that are considered the best from musical artists, food items, conspiracy theories, whatever the list might be. And we talk <laughs> about the, those things track by track or movie by movie or or numbered, uh, whatever that number is in the list. And then at the end of the episode, we pick what is the worst from the best. So no matter how good something is, there's always something at the bottom. So our latest episode that's actually uploading today at the time of this recording is we, we reviewed uh, Metallica's Injustice for All. So that's an example of here's an album that many people consider to be Metallica's best album. And then we go through that album, and then we pick what we think is the worst song from this best-selling album of Injustice for All. So that's how that works. Check us out. We have over 100 episodes with a variety of different topics. So what I like about that podcast that I do is not it's not just Rocky or just Rambo. We actually have a lots of different topics. The concept's the same for every episode, but you have a variety of topics. Uh, absolutely. And you guys, definitely when I gave it a listen, it reminded me also of there's no such thing as a bad movie where it's like you're having to not only be just beyond constructive, which is always good, but like you're also having to just, you know, really just do a compare and contrast. And, you know, it's not always easy, especially when an artist gets to a certain era where it's like, mm, it's interesting, but it's not for me, or it's, I don't care for it at all. So, but there's clearly something in it that made everyone want to still seek out, you know, the album, you know, uh, the minute it hit the store. So yeah, it, it's really been cool to hear some of those and just get a sense of, hey, you know, <laughs> There's something, just like there's something good in every lesser work, there's also something to be found in, it's kind of like with even just an album, you know, it's like, there's going to be at least one track on the B side that you actually can recommend, even though the B side is infamous for being just leftovers that no one wants, you know? Right, absolutely. Yeah, it's our, it's our pleasure doing that uh, show. So let's check out those, and I appreciate you uh, allowing me to plug those. Absolutely. And you, and you essentially summed up just... I just a delightful era that was short-lived and uh, thank you for your endless energy <laughs> thanks brother appreciate you having me on we'll talk soon absolutely and godspeed to you <laughs> we'll return after these messages 
JURS podcast is proud to promote AutoCorrect, an independent film company with experienced industry professionals who can serve all your film industry needs. They include self-tapes, voice actor recordings, demo reel editing, script revisions, headshots, and much more. They're actor correct at your request. Book them on Instagram. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin cough, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Greetings, friends. My name is Dean Legero, and I'm the host of the 3324 Podcast. I invite you to join me and my lifelong friend Eric Cooper to come with us as we discuss the music and movies that shaped our life. Each week, we'll pick an album or film that we really connect to and not only give you some great info and trivia, but also discuss, debate, and celebrate what it means to us and the journey it took us on. We also look forward to hearing from you and giving us some of your picks for us to check out and discuss. I think it'll be a really fun experience, so come along with us for the ride. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider, and at 3324.buzzsprout.com. Thanks for your time, and welcome to the 3324 family.
It's late, it's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one last plot, holes a It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy. At eilfm.podbean.com. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.